It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much to tuning in to Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. We, I'm really excited about this guest today. This is just a, uh, an incredible honor. Today we have Azra Hussein, and she is president and co-founder of the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona. And they have just celebrated their 21st anniversary, so we have lots of reasons to s- celebrate. So, Azra, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, this is, it's a ple- the pleasure is mine. Um, Azra has spent the past 28 years uh, educating about Islam and Muslims. Azra trains speakers, plans and facilitates educational and creative interfaith events. And uh, she also uh, helps uh, hosts sensitivity training for police departments and hospitals, educators and corporations. And she's been in Arizona for 39 years, which is a lot longer than me. So she's more of an Arizona native than I am. Uh, she and her husband have four children and two grandchildren, So, and she believes that people of faith have shared values and are called to serve and protect humanity and our environment. Wow, so it sounds like we have a lot in common, Azra. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it is good. So, well, thank you again for calling in. Um, so counterculture, we're looking at the people. We're, the whole goal of counterculture is to find the people who are building bridges, between uh, maybe groups that are divided or where there's a lack of understanding, building cooperation, understanding, and, and, and more unifying. Not that it, there can't be disagreements or that, but the, ultimately we, we, we're looking for the peacemakers. And when I heard about what the work you're doing, I thought we, we really need to hear what she has to say and what she's been doing. So, um, so you're, you have an accent. So you were, um, So were you born in the United States? You have a no, beautiful accent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was born and brought up in Kuwait. In Kuwait. Um, but in Kuwait, I went to British schools there and then to a boarding school in the south of England. Fantastic. Is it near, near, uh, near London? Um, about an hour and 20-minute train drive, so Eastbourne East- by Brighton. Oh, very nice. Uh, I, I also studied in England for a year, and so dear fond memories. But I didn't get the cool accent like you did, so I got to, <laughs> I'm stuck with my my just boring American accent. So, <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Kuwait, and then in I guess in say in England, you were, you know you what was that like? Well, um, you know, my parents are originally from um, South Central India, so we're not native to Kuwait or the Middle East. But um, for me, that never was an issue. I, you know, I was a child. I, I grew up in a, a very kind country where people were very good to each other. They mm-hmm. were very generous. Um, you know, just going shopping with my mother, uh, the shopkeeper would just reach out and get a handful of candy and put it in your hand yes. just because you visited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never occurred to us that we were, in, were different. Uh, we didn't speak Arabic. But then we didn't speak hundreds of other world languages. We're bilingual, but it never occurred to me that not speaking Arabic was anything different. Mm. Um, 
So Kuwait was a lovely place. It, it, you know, it, it was a really wonderful place to grow up. And then at the age of 11, I went off to boarding school in England. Um, that was different. And it was actually, for me, very enjoyable. Uh, I How enjoyed, you, you know. Leave, you left your family to go to boarding school. That seems very un- unusual probably to a lot of the listeners here. Yes, yes. I think I think as an adult, as a parent today, I I feel very strongly for how much my parents went through so that I would have a better education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, as as an eleven year old, a twelve year old, thirteen, you know, for all the years I was there, I I enjoyed myself tremendously. I had a lot of fun when I was at school. I had a lot of fun when I went home for for the holidays. Yeah. So I I didn't feel any different. <laughs> okay. So, at what age did you come to the United States? Um, nineteen. You were nineteen. So, to come to college, mm-hmm. do you, uh, did you do your uh, university studies here? Yes, um, actually, um, a, a little bit of both. I actually got married at nineteen, okay, and moved out here to Arizona, and then went to ASU for my school. I see. Well, fam- okay, that's really cool. So we're both we're both uh, under our got our graduate. I mean, undergraduate work at ASU. So we have that in common as well. Nice. <laughs> so, so you're 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 nine. Except I I waited till I was thirty three to get married. So I I'm, I got a, I'm really a late bloomer. <laughs> so, um, so then so you're now in in Arizona, and then you you have you're mm-hmm. having a family. You're starting a family. Mm-hmm. And 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 you, I think you had mentioned that you, starting a family kind of gave you some convictions about what you wanted your children to know and understand here in a new culture. Um, yes and no, not so much my children because you know we're pretty much Arizonans. It wasn't a big deal for us, right? But it was for people around my children, okay. the environment they were growing up in, and I realized that you know when we say Merry Christmas, when we say Happy Hanukkah. Um, and people understand in general, not maybe in depth, but they understand what is being referred to. Right. And yet when you said Happy Eid uh, 20-something years ago, most people looked at you like uh, you were what? speaking a foreign language. <laughs> and, right. you know, this is my home. This is my children's home. I want my great-grandchildren to be here and my great-great-grandchildren. Yes. And for them, I don't want them to constantly be considered foreigners and outsiders. And so I wanted to be able to share um, and educate about who we are and what we believe in. Uh, so that's what I started sharing with my, my, my children's peers, their mm. teachers and their, their friends, you know, uh, mostly about the holidays we celebrate. Um, and so that's how I began educating about Islam and Muslims. So was this sort of, it started informally, but eventually it took like a structure, correct? Yes. Very much so. And that then became, is that what's known today as the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona? Yes, it is. That is exactly what it is. So what we did was we now, we do this very formally. We we train our, you know, speakers. Um, None of our speakers are clergy or scholars. They're just average, everyday people who practice their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the first 10 years, we did presentations about Islam and Muslims. And then I went back to my board of directors and said, hey, you know, I'm out there doing presentations to mostly Christian and Jewish audiences. I mean, there are other groups in there, including sure. Muslims, but mostly Christians and Jews. And there are times when I, as the Muslim presenter in the room, 
know more about Christianity and Judaism right. than my audience members do. Yes, and I believe that. And to me, that, that yeah. was a big gap. That was a huge gap. And as a mother, as an educator, as a member of the community, I felt it was very important that the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona also educate about other religions. Mm. Um, so I reached out to my Jewish friends and my Christian friends, and I said, Hey, guys, you want to join me in this? Right. <laughs> so, so we went and um, had them go through a, you know, a speaker training and, and content training mm. and took written tests and stuff. Yes. And then we started what we now call the Abrahamic Panel. The Abrahamic where Panel. A, a, yes. So then we have the Jew, a Jew, a Christian, and a Muslim we go out together, um, usually for a 50 to 60-minute presentation, um, and each one of us presents about beliefs and practices and history and terminology and holidays in each one of our faiths, and then we answer questions. Mm. And um, in the 10 years that we've been doing this, this has now become the second most popular requested presentation the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona has. Um, and we make sure that if you know, if a person is teaching about Judaism, they are a practicing Jew. Mm. If they're teaching about Christianity, they're a practicing Christian. And um, and if they're teaching about Islam, they're a practicing Muslim. So mm. we don't want somebody who doesn't practice the faith to share mm. it, because they're just going to do it out of, you know, reading from a book or learning right. from a secondary source, as opposed to be a practitioner of the faith. You hit on an incredible... Um point uh, that I think is both it's, – it's, it's, it's really about the mind of peacemaking and I think that's first is that we have to l- listen first to the original – to hear about someone's religion or story from that person themselves or from mm-hmm. actual practicers of that because we mm-hmm. get things so filtered in our, in our Western mind or in our, our, our whatever co- like subculture that we get into and we actually never hear from the source – I think it makes good sense just as an academic person in general, look, read the source materials, learn from the, the actual people rather than the filters that we all have that tend to filter everything. So I think yeah. that's just – when, I, when you, I heard about the Abrahamic panel, that made – I got really excited about that because we need <laughs> – I, I want to hear you – know, I don't want someone <laughs> trying, you know, who, who doesn't care – who actually maybe even resents Christianity – to represent my faith because they'll 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 share it their certain way. I thought how much exactly. better it is that someone who who loves who loves Islam, or someone who loves Judaism, who loves Christian, you know, loves Christianity. I mean, who they, they themselves can share. So, what a great yeah. great idea! And is that still mm-hmm. going on today? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even with COVID nineteen and all of that, we've taken all of our presentations, um, you know, virtual. So yes. now when we have requesters, they've already been told that we'll use their online platform or we'll use our online platform, but we're, all of our speakers will present virtually. Mm. Um, and we've already got things scheduled for this coming week or at the end of the week um, with our Abrahamic panel. So it's it's something that we've continued doing and it's still requested. And um, it is it is something that even our speakers enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I bet. Are you, I'm sure you've gotten some great questions over the years. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like high school age mostly or broad? Um, most most of our presentations um, are to high schools just because our uh, standards, our education standards require ninth, 10th, 
our 7th, 9th, and 10th graders to learn about mm-hmm. world history and geography. And, and in that context, they're learning about world religions. Yeah. And so that's usually the teachers who invite us in. But we find ourselves presenting to civic groups, to like the Kiwanis Club and, and people like that, um, all the way to uh, colleges and um, churches and temples and even mosques. Mm. Uh, you know, so so even Muslim groups will invite us in to talk about um, not just the re- not just the other v- religions, but also about Islam and Muslims. That's oh, that's I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, the heart of a peacemaker is is has the mind of a learner, and and so I think if we want to be have a want to be bringing building bridges and being peace, we have to take we have to be a learner and a listener. And so you get you're giving people that opportunity, and so I, I love it. So I was, a couple questions. Uh, what are some of the most common misunderstandings that Christians have about Islam? Mm, well, one of them is definitely that most Christians who don't know Muslims or about Islam always feel that we have a different God right. to that of the, you know, of, uh, the Christian faith. Um, and, uh, well, Muslims actually glorify and worship the God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know that that's any different from, right, right. from you know, the Christians. And then the second thing is that they have this understanding that Muslims are out there trying to convert everyone to Islam. Right. Um, not true. <laughs> even if you go back, even if you go just to the source, like you said, to go to the Quran, for Muslims, the Quran is the unchanged word of God. Yeah. And in that, um, God says, and if your Lord had pleased, surely all of those who are in the earth would have believed, all of them. Mm-hmm. Will you then force men till they become believers? Mm. So basically, for Muslims, the idea is that God created us different and has made us different on purpose. Mm-hmm. So we mm. as human beings, who on earth are we to change God's plan? Right. And so That's for right. us, we're not interested in converting anyone to anything. Yeah. If you come and ask me why I behave a certain way, who I am, I'm happy to share that with you. Sure, sure. But I'm not going to go out of my way to change who you are and bring you to Islam. Hey, I mean, I don't have that kind of strength. I don't have that kind of will. If I tomorrow pass away as a Muslim, I'm grateful for that. I don't need the added burden right. of trying to convert a thousand right. people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I know how frustrating it is when people misunderstand my faith and they make mm-hmm. broad generalizations from their own filters or maybe they know one person, but oftentimes it's usually a, the filters that they have. And I mm-hmm. used to also think that there, I, I've learned a lot how diverse – and broad Islam is. And we often think there's only mm-hmm. one particular, only one expression of it. And there's this, there's, there's, you know, Islam in Indonesia mm-hmm. is very different than Islam in India and then and different than yeah. maybe in, 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 in the Middle East. It has even has its own different aspects of Islam. So is, yeah. is yeah. that a fair, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very fair mm-hmm. because Islam is a way of life and it is incorporated into the different cultures where it exists. Right. So a Muslim, like you said, in Indonesia is going to look and behave very differently to one in the Middle East, right. who's going to behave very differently to one in America. Right. Um, there are certain things, there are aspects of worship and belief that are, that are the same. But what it looks like on the outside and in practice, it could be quite different. Mm. 
So if you're just tuning in, we have Azar Hussein with us here on Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. We're having a great discussion. Um, so what are uh, one? Uh, how about let's turn this the, turn the question around? What are some of the most common misunderstandings that Muslims have about Christians? Because you've been in this great space between of learning about other religions, and so what are some very common misunderstandings? Like if I were to go to other predominantly Muslim areas. Okay. Um, many, many people that I've come across who have not been exposed to Christians one-on-one and spoken to people, or who have, but like you said, you know, just exposed to one or two different people right. with very specific ideas, um, the most common is that they believe Christians think that the rest of us are going to, and I'm sorry about this language, but right. in hell, yeah. because we're not Christian. Right. Um, so that we're not really worthy of any true friendships. Mm. So they, so they, so they feel like a person they come across who's Christian is not going to consider them worthy of anything until mm. they convert to Christianity. Right. And uh-huh. you know, I've had this conversation over and over, and I've tried explaining that look, that's not generally how the majority of Christians right. see this. To them, they have you know, received a wonderful gift from God, and all they're doing is look at you and they say, this is somebody who's worthy of receiving that same gift. Mm. I'm going to share this wonderful gift that I've received. Mm. So I try and explain to them that this is not about you not being worthy, but rather that you being worthy enough to receive such a gift. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do try and explain that, but not everyone gets it, right? They, no, they're very for, concerned don't. about yeah, people trying to convert them. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Those characterizations. Abs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think are some? Well, what are some biggest roadblocks, shall we say, that 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 prevent un- us understanding one another? I, I, most of the time, I think, is just being closed-minded. Mm-hmm. People just don't know how to listen. Mm-hmm. Right. They're so busy wanting to hold on to what they feel they know to be true, they don't just open their minds and say, hold on, let me just give this person a chance to just speak up, regardless of who it is, regardless of what they're talking about. People have preconceived notions of what who somebody is and what they believe and what they do, and very rarely will they step into a space Mm -hmm. and say, okay, let me just give them a chance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel that's the biggest roadblock is us ourselves not being open-minded enough to listen. Uh, There's a a proverb that's one of my favorites. It's called, the wise man delights in understanding, the fool in revealing his own mind. And I think if we aren't going to ever delight in understanding one another, I mean, and and not just, I think the idea of delighting, I think is really good. It's like, I actually have to, there's an emotional desire and a, pl- yeah. a pleasure in finding to uh, help to understand who this other person yeah. is, uh, yeah. and not and that means I don't means I don't know currently, and I need a delight to grow in my understanding. And so, and I think mm-hmm. that's going to happen mm-hmm. around learning from knowledge and listening to, and it's going to come out in, in friendship as well. And, and, and another thing that was exciting about the work that you're doing, and I know I've benefited from my friendships with my with with Muslims and with other religions, and learning from them from their own examples. Like, I'll just, a quick example: I went to a Muslim wedding uh, when I was in Hyderabad, mm-hmm. 
Oh. And they they welcomed me and two uh, and the couple that I was with, the three of us, as unbelievably honored guests. Like we, <laughs> they treated us so well. They gave us the best biryani, the seats of honor, and just it was just it was just, it was an all day event. And I think that for three hours, I was like, wow, I think I've had enough wedding. <laughs> uh, that'd be a, um, it was just, but it was I was so blown away by the welcoming, open warmth that we experienced. That um, and I'd like what what if the tables were reversed, and mm-hmm. if uh, and if they came to America and they were outside and they didn't know who we were, would would a wedding <laughs> And I thought I have a lot I can learn from from my Muslim friends and from uh, from uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, just so those 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 sort of experiences and examples help me realize I I need to grow in my understanding and delighting. So, uh, but very good. So, what brings you hope? And and, and again, in our whole in our divided world, uh, we need hope right now. What what is something that's bringing you hope in the middle of all of this? Quite honestly, um, the hundreds and hundreds of wonderful people that I get to meet and spend time with and actually now call friends every day. Mm. Um, I'll give you an example. With all of this work and all of our connections and getting to know each other for the sake of respecting and and mutual understanding, um, I don't know if you remember, but in 2015 May, Mm -hmm. there were armed bikers who showed up outside a mosque in North Phoenix. Oh, um, yes. To protest, right? I heard yes. And at that time, the church next door, mm. and this still gives me um, goosebumps when I say this. It, mm. it brings tears to my eyes. The church next door, they got together, and knowing the people were going to show up at a certain time, they showed up a half hour early, stood on the pavement next to the mosque, mm. so they would be between the mosque and the protesters. protesters. And those were armed protesters. Mm. These people came without that. And then they said that at the time of prayer, they would turn their backs on the protesters so the people going to prayer would see their beautiful smiles and nothing else. Wow. That makes me cry even now. Wow. That. What a that great That is what example. humans are. That is what love is. That oh. is when you say, you know, God teaches us to love our neighbor. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm getting very... Yeah, no. Because it's still, yes. five years later, it means a lot. And the same way, in December 2016, when ISIS claimed that they were going to attack Christian churches yes. at Christmas service. In Egypt, right? Not just me, oh. not just oh. me, but my mm. children and Muslims all over this nation showed up to Christmas services to be with their Christian wow. friends. So God forbid anything happened, they were with them. Oh. And if nothing else, this gave people a sense of peace that their Muslim friends and their neighbors stood with them at a time that was very scary. Mm. And when Jewish cemeteries were being desecrated, Muslims in this nation started a crowdfunding page to get money and help to repair and restore them. So when people reach across Mm. lines like this, when they reach across and see each other as neighbors, as humans, as friends, that... That is what mm. gives me hope every single day. And mm. and I think that we're being good examples to our next generation and on. I I l- absolutely love hearing that on on from both sides. It's they're both such beautiful uh, examples of loving your neighbor and yeah. c- caring yeah. more about the interests of others than just the interests of yourself. 
Yeah. And uh, if we if, if everyone's just going to be fighting for their own rights in this world, we're going to keep fighting. But when we when we seek to also to seek and protect the rights and protect our neighbors, I think then yeah. we're really going to see some real big change. And I find hope in that as well. Well, this has yeah. been just such a great conversation and love hearing. And so one again, there's you also have events. How could someone get involved and learn more about what you're, the work you're doing? To get started, um, well, um, they could try and add themselves to our email list. Okay, find us on Facebook or on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's where we make most of our announcements right. about upcoming programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, that's the best way. If you just look for the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona, um, you'll find. You know, just just Google that, and you'll find how to get to us that way, and just just follow us that Sorry, way, and lo- that way you'll. You'll hear about our programming. Oh, fantastic learning and programs is, is things to learn, but also like events. Eventually, we'll get, we'll be able to have dinner together and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> get to laugh and talk and meet families. And one, one of these days, thank you one so much for joining me, Oswald. This has been a delight and an honor. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. You've been listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. Thank you for turning in. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.